0: and Mackenzie here, and you're listening to Freshman Founders, a podcast for people who are interested in starting their first business and want to know how it really works. Whether you're a business major, interested in the startup lifestyle, or passionate about making a particular change in the world,
1: this podcast is the one for you. Welcome back to Freshman Founders. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Channing. Today we have an awesome guest, as always, but this is a very special guest. He's known us from the very start of our business, Um, and we're going to be talking a lot about fundraising, more on the banking side of it this time.
0: It may sound scary because it did to us when we were not in this phase last season because we were focusing on last season on fundraising with investors. We did even two parts.
1: Yeah, and I even remember those two episodes we talked about the different types of funds you can raise, oh and God, we were yeah. saying, "Oh yeah, banking—you can get a loan or something." We know nothing about that, and that was a year ago. So we know a little more now. Wow, and have actually gotten a line of credit with a bank. That's which nuts. Is how much can change real in a year, adult
0: stuff. Adult stuff. And the reason, you know, that we actually started looking at this is we were right in a point of our business where we're making revenue and we're going month to month and we're seeing the, you know, the growth of that. But then it's like, oh, if we could just add a little bit more to our initial accounts receivable to make accounts payable work, if we can just get a little further um, throughout the month, that would be really helpful. And that's when we started talking to Brad and actually learning about all this. Yeah awesome to see and Brad's also super cool because he is banking in entertainment is you know it's a music and entertainment division that he oversees um, over at Regions and he is just he's a cool cat well-connected guy yeah all about it And with that, we are excited to have Brad Peterson of Regions Bank on Freshman Founders today. Brad, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. This is great. I really appreciate it.
1: It's fun. We're super excited. So we're we're going to jump right in. Um, we've known each other for a while now. Uh, you've seen kind of the ups and downs of Eva Moore and... Um, Mostly
2: ups, I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well,
0: that's you, good. <laughs> we absolutely, I think that You know, when we came to you, it was so exciting because we had been growing our business and, you know, just kind of iterating, you know, through college campuses and then moving it on to corporate events. And you really were always there a part of it with us. And, you know, when we're head down, we're just like, ah, it needs to go faster. And then it was amazing to, you know, start talking to you about, well, how could we work with a bank to go faster and bridge to the next phase of our business, which we are in the moments of doing that right now. And even offline, we need to give you a couple of updates because we're really excited about what you've been able to do for us. Well, with, thank you. Yeah. Good. Glad to
2: hear it. and glad we could be of some assistance and I, I love to play a role in, in companies like yours. So yeah, it's cool. It's fun.
0: Something I've always been so amazed by is when people can take an industry like that and they can implement the, you know, another industry that they're passionate about, you know, you being involved with sports and entertainment, you know, a part of a bank, that's incredible. And I'd love to know how that all transpired.
2: Yeah. Uh, so to be honest, I mean, I'll just be straight. Look, banking was never part of the plan. It was never like the goal. Like, hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be a banker. But uh, when I came out of school, it was a lousy economy. I was a business administration major. I had a connection through my advisor with a bank in Texas, and it just seemed like a good kind of business job with an actual salary, not much of one, but an actual salary. Um, And I started with that in kind of a commercial banking type role, which relates to what I do now. Um, And then I moved to Nashville with a bank called Nations Bank, which became Bank of America. Being in Nashville, when I moved to Nashville, uh, I discovered quickly that a few banks had these music entertainment divisions, which even today people kind of go, a bank has a music division? What does that mean? But for me, the part that you said that I think is real important is the passionate part. And that's what struck me was, wow, I never really meant to be a banker, but if I could do it and be associated with the entertainment world in some way, that'd be great. And that kind of just aligned with everything. I I was a kid that grew up. Loving everything entertainment. Friends joke that I'm like a walking people magazine. It is, I love music, movies, television, magazines, which I know dates me, makes me old. But uh, nevertheless, I just, I always eaten that stuff up and just soaked it in. And so this was cool to be, to to find that um, kind of niche within the banking world. Um, It it kind of is the only reason probably that I think that I'm still in banking this many years later, and I won't say how many, but a lot.
0: (laughs) And I... I feel like I could be wrong, but I've always seen you having the energy of an entrepreneur. And I almost feel like the music entertainment division of a bank is kind of like a startup within a really big company. Like you're testing this out and you get to be so passionate about what you love and providing something that the music industry really needs. And it's awesome to see how you can do that for them.
2: Yeah, that, that's very much true, especially the the route that I've taken through the banks. There are a couple of banks, and I say a couple, I mean literally a couple, that have long established entertainment divisions. Uh, they kind of established those long ago in, in the industry. But I always wanted to kind of build my own thing. I kind of learned in some of those, from some of those people, even indirectly. I didn't even work for them, but I learned a lot from them and how they did it, and then wanted to start my own thing. So it really was like starting your own business within a business, especially a very regulated industry like banking. It's not been easy. You you do have to think outside the box and entrepreneurial type manner. And so, yeah, it's, it's been very much like that. And I think that's just me. I'm not a corporate guy. I think maybe I thought I could be when I was 22 and fresh out of college. And it was the, here I go. It was the (laughs) eighties. Uh, you know, that just seemed right. Cool. Corporate suit. This is great. Working a big glass building downtown. No, that wasn't my deal. And you guys see how I live now. I mean, my office is on Music Row, and I wear jeans and Converse and T-shirts to work, and it just fit. It just fit me better.
0: We can resonate with that absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, so you're so passionate about music, and seems like you always have been. Were you ever a musician yourself?
2: <laughs> I almost said that earlier, but I knew this question was coming. Uh, yeah, so I found my way into the into the banking space, into the entertainment division of that because I had zero musical ability, zero. Uh, I mean, nobody would want me to even try <laughs> to play anything in the studio. Uh, so no, I, I really didn't. I just always had a love for it and, mm-hmm. and, a, and an admiration and respect for those that did. Uh, and I also think as I've gotten more experienced, we'll say, instead of old, and been around the industry for so long, the creative forces that, that are those people I think that's where I can provide some benefit is there is, even though I'm not maybe the most corporate guy, I still have a business mind and was trained that way and brought up that way. And we can hopefully bring, we can kind of bridge the gap, hopefully, between kind of that business world and the creative space that most of this town, Music Row, lives in, right?
1: Absolutely. Does that make sense? (laughs) Totally. And that's that's a lot like us, honestly, too. I mean – Play bass in a joke girl band, but, like, was never trying to be a musician.
2: I can't even do that. That's that's a step up on me.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I think you could rock it on karaoke or
1: something. I I bet you could.
2: Nobody wants that.
0: (laughs) All right. Fair.
2: Tambourine, maybe?
0: (laughs) Maybe not. Yeah, I'm (laughs) still thinking no. (laughs) Building a brand or building a business is a lot like building a band. And artists, entrepreneurs, athletes, they're really one and the same. They're going for, you know— that, that big dream that they have. And what do you do differently to focus on helping these individuals build that dream?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that's something we've had to, to really teach the bank on, on that, because it is, it's a different animal. You said they're all sort of in the same boat, like right? athletes, uh, you know, artists, et cetera. Um, I think there's a couple of things that I think are the most important about it. I, I'm a big believer in speaking the language knowing their business, understanding their business, how it works, uh, and speaking the language. I think that's the interpretation that has to be done. I can't go in and speak a bunch of bank speak to an artist who's looking for some financing for his tour, or uh, to a publisher who is looking to acquire a catalog, or to you guys that are building your business, you're probably a little more business-minded than, than most that I deal with. Um, kudos to you in that respect, because you really also bridge that gap, I think, in creativity and, and business mind. What you do, I think you have to, to speak the language and understand that, and, and I think having the passion for it, again, makes the difference. I think people notice that, they feel it, it helps them feel comfortable. How you're looking to help them and what you're looking to do is in their best interest, Um, even if sometimes that might be a little bit harder answer than what they were hoping for, it's still because we really do want them to succeed and really do care and really want it to be the right thing and, and help in the right way.
0: I've never gotten to hear you voice that before, but it's, it's really cool because the, everything you just said about what you you hope you can provide that customer is what I felt through our process mm-hmm. of working with you, you know, because yes, maybe, right. maybe with our company, we do bridge, you know, the creativity and business gap a little bit more, but it's so nice. Like banks are scary or that's what we thought <laughs> yeah, at first and getting to work with you and have someone understand in our industry, you know, how to really break that down. That was awesome. And I felt so good throughout every step of the way.
2: Well, that's that's great to hear. That's for me. That's really reassuring. That that's really fulfilling for me to know that that's that's the role I kind of played in 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 the development of your of your company, and I know it's still you know got a long ways to go in growing. But I tell everybody like you know what what does they go what does that look like? What does a music banker look like? And I go you know my life is a lot more music entertainment industry than it is banking, and and that's why I think I have to. To really understand what you, and I'm using you guys as an example, what you guys are looking for, what you need, uh, knowing I have to translate that back to the bank somehow. And I have to take a pretty strong stance for my clients because a, a bank's initial response on a lot of these things is just we don't get that. And if banks don't get it, they're not, they're not comfortable with it, they're just the answer is just no, which again is why banks are scary, as you just said. For folks that don't know how to speak that language, the right thing to the bank, that's hopefully what we do is help translate that between you, the client and the bank and get the right things done for you, for you guys, what you need.
1: Just that it even is possible for a company like us to get a line of credit. Like we never thought that was going to be a thing, like maybe we can get an angel to give us some money. Maybe we can convince somebody to give us some funding, but from a bank? Like, we didn't realize that would ever be an option for us. So we're grateful that there are people like you in banking.
2: Well, there's a lot of factors to it. We can't just do it for anybody that we, you know, like and want to see them do well. That's certainly part of it. But there's a lot of elements that go into it, and I'm I'm going to compliment you guys, is that all along the way that the last couple of years I've gotten to know you guys is You've shown me management is a big factor. It's 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 a tangible, but it's also an intangible that we, me, in this case and in a lot of cases, I have to feel really good about that uh, and real confident that I can go and go to the wall for, for for you guys on that. But it's the it's you know it's the business plan. It's what you've done so far. It's what you're telling me you're planning to do. Does that make sense? Is that feasible? Are they living in reality? All those kind of things, coupled with that management style, that management ability, the energy you have, the passion you have um, so it's a lot of elements and it, it there is certainly a you know some formula to it from the financial perspective, but a lot of it is feel as well and and that's where I think I'm able to really be more of an advocate is i'm now senior enough um, and have enough leverage with what we're doing to say, guys, look, you, you almost have to trust me on this one. I've I, I got this one. I like this one. This is why. And I want to do something here.
0: Is there anything else you might look for when, you know, the process of evaluating that company's value and, you know, maybe how to, how they should expect to present themselves to you if thinking through this?
2: That's a, that's a tough thing. Again, there's a lot of feel involved there too. You know, we kind of look at the industry you're in or your niche in the industry, what are you doing that um, that really provides a, a different aspect of the business, some, some value that maybe is a little bit untapped? You know, what are your competitive challenges there or, or not? So, yeah, we're looking for a lot of things there. And again, kind of what you've how you've run the business so far. Even though it might be small, it still can be run well. And that's I think what we're kind of looking for. And and the financial aspect of it to, to help jump in there is again the historicals, but certainly that the plan going forward. It's that's one of the biggest things I think that that, that will be a discrepancy in what the client thinks and what the bank may end up thinking is the the projections or kind of what here's what we think is going to happen going forward. We're automatically going to discount that to some degree, but that there's where the kind of art of it is, is is how much do I want to discount that? How much what they're saying makes sense and is realistic and is achievable? Or are they just pie in the sky, grand, you know, illusions, delusions maybe of, of, um, of what can happen? And that, that's a really important part of a small growing business is what do they think is going to happen? How realistic is that? And then what can we do? How much or where can we provide some assistance to help them get there?
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, from a lender's point of view, I think it's more, you know, of course, they're not necessarily investing in the idea or lending the idea. They're focusing on the person behind it. And then have you just want to see, have they thought through all these questions that we're about to ask? Because it's more concerning if they don't have an answer rather than if the answer doesn't feel maybe as, you know, comfortable or confident to them yet.
2: So that absolutely happens where we, we ask some things and just... Owner, business person is just not there yet. Just, just not there to to have. Not going to sound like a banker, but to have the responsibility of owing a bank money. (laughs) Uh, You know that that is. I mean, that's that's kind of like getting to be big boy and big girl stuff, right? I mean, it's you know, it's like when you buy a house the first time. I mean, you just took on a six figure debt to buy your first home, and people go, "Oh my God, what did I just do?" You know, same thing with your business. Maybe is you now owe a bank money. And, you know, that's on you guys as much as it's on me. And there's where we're partners is we've got to, you know, do the right thing and make this work.
0: And I think a client would only look at that, you know, of course, maybe the the answer no right now, or this is what we have to do to get to the next step to be able to get there might be hard at first, but really it's, you're looking out for their best interest too. It comes from a compassionate perspective.
2: It's it's very true. And and that is, I'll tell you what, that just by nature, by nature, it's, it's hard to say no. I really try to give a no, but here's what could happen. Here's where we need to get to. Here's how I could help. Maybe I can't do exactly what you're asking me to do, but I might be able to do this. That's just a lot easier answer to deliver for me personally, but I think for the client too, it gives them a little direction of just not saying no. And I think, going back to kind of the original concept of, of a music entertainment banking division. That's kind of how these divisions, I think, came to be, is that people in these fields, the creative fields, were coming to banks when they felt like they had something to offer. And the banks just didn't get it. And the answer was just kind of no. No, because they didn't even know what to tell them. So hopefully, again, that's where we're bridging gaps, I hope. You know, giving you, I can't quite do that. Or we can't do that quite yet. But maybe this or maybe that or maybe at this time.
0: As you guys know, Mackenzie and I, we went to Belmont University and we took entrepreneurship classes together and learned you know, some of the key points of how to build a business there. And we're so thankful that the Belmont University Center for Entrepreneurship is sponsoring freshman founders. And the Center of Entrepreneurship has tons of resources to support student entrepreneurs such as two on-campus co-working spaces, competitions throughout the year, free business building clinics, and mentorship and grant opportunities.
1: Belmont is also ranked by the Princeton Review as one of the top 25 entrepreneurship programs in the nation, and the only one in Tennessee. The Center for Entrepreneurship guides students through every phase of their entrepreneurial journey beginning their freshman year and lasting a lifetime. Freshman Founders is, you know, we really pride ourselves on taking a really high-level look at a lot of things that seem really complicated, and I'm sure there's so many things in your day-to-day that we would have no idea what they mean, how you come to find solutions to problems. I'm just making it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good to hear. (laughs) It's not just me. Um, But we're going to ask some questions that... um, Some listeners, I think, would really want to know. Uh, The first being, what is the difference between a line of credit and a loan?
2: The basic, the bottom line of that is, a loan is typically referred to. I mean, they're all loans, I guess. We're all we're still lending you money. It's just in what form and what is the the structure of that repayment is the biggest thing. A a loan is typically what we might refer to as a term loan, which means I'm giving you a loan today. It's for a certain period of time three years, four years, five years, seven years, 10 years, whatever it might be. And it is a structured repayment. It, it is like your car loan or like your mortgage. It is, here's your interest rate. You're going to pay off this, the full balance of this loan by this date, three years, five years down the road. And you see so you have a payment set of this amount due every month or every quarter. Music industry, that's a different animal, but sometimes we do things quarterly to match up with how things are paid in the music industry. That's, again, the very defined part of it. It is a one-time, upfront. we fund that whole loan into your account, and now you owe us that amount of money, and you pay us this much back per month for that amount of time. A line of credit is more like a credit card. It is a revolving availability loan. It it, it is you draw down on that as much as you think you need at that point in time, And, and Channing, I know we talked about this when we did some business for your company. You, you kind of draw what you need uh, and you will pay interest only on the amount that you've pulled down uh, from that, that line of credit monthly. You pay the interest monthly. As you repay it, maybe, you know, you have a good month, a good quarter, and you pay down the balance of that. That's now available again to draw back up on, again, like a credit card. Most of us are familiar with that concept. That's kind of the difference there. And, and the other things I will say kind of go along with that. A term loan, that the first part of what we talked about, a loan is typically more for sort of a long-term need or a permanent, what we call a permanent capital need. Maybe you bought equipment, maybe you bought uh, another company, or you bought a catalog in terms of publishing, and that is a defined thing, and we're going to repay it in this defined period of time. A line of credit is more kind of the operating capital for your company month to month, quarter to quarter, uh, in covering expenses and kind of the timing difference that are, that I'm gonna get really banky here again, but hopefully people, if you're running a business, you know what your accounts receivable are, you know, what your accounts payable are, what has, what's coming in and what has to go out. And there can be a timing difference there. You may have bills due now, but you're not going to get paid till, till after that. Well, how do you fund that timing difference? That's what the line of credit comes in you know, comes into play.
0: There was this huge bubble and boom of, you know, raising these large rounds of investments as a startup. Like it was almost faux pas if you weren't talking to a VC as a startup to go and raise more than enough. Everyone's always saying, raise more than you think you should. And while that's great, I I think Mackenzie and I have even really experienced the process of... There's so much you can even do on a smaller level to grow your business, and sometimes it just takes the difference of bridging that month to month and a line of credit. And we, we looked hard at it, and we were like, we don't need to go raise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars right now. Really, we just need to grow our business and, you know, keep breaking even and then grow it from there. With that, we're seeing now entrepreneurs naturally move more into looking at line of credits, too, when getting started. And how should an entrepreneur determine what line of credit amount to ask for?
2: Yeah, and, and, that, and that's tough, too. Um, you know, I would say in, in general sort of mindset, it's the opposite of what you said a minute ago about VC money, about venture capital money.
0: Exactly. Don't
2: come take any more than you think you really need to. Initially, especially in a young business. Uh, And we talked about that, I think, you know, in our go around as well. Uh, That's real important. And and exactly how much that is, that's also where we can provide some value. Uh, Again, I think we had conversations about the amount for your business. Um, And there was some input from you guys. There was some input from me. Uh, and, uh, so th- that's where we can help you. I don't feel like you have to have it all figured out and know exactly what and why and how much, and, uh, let us help you with that. I think that's part of what our value to, to our clients is. Um, but yeah, I think you want to figure out, okay, going on those timing differences, going that month to month operations or quarter to quarter, whatever you might look at it is how much do we really need where are we short? How much are we short? We want to be comfortable. We want to make sure we can pay our bills, but let's not get out there extended too much. We've got a big fat interest bill due. Try to look at at least a rough shot of it yourself uh, and figure out how your business runs and how, what your numbers look like. But then just bring that to us and let's talk about it. Let's, let's have a, a conversation about an interaction and we'll, we'll, help, we'll help you get there.
0: And and Brad, you're the expert, but so correct me if I'm wrong, but just some, some advice I might like to give to a really starting out entrepreneur is the best part too, with a line of credit. Well, if your business is booming and growing, you can always look at a larger line, but what if you even start with, you know, 15 grand, like 20 grand, if you're starting out and just to make those, you know, next steps and month to month meet, I feel like you can even do so much with being able to expand your business with that.
2: Uh, absolutely, I, I I agree, and that's I think th- that gets back to my answer a little bit of the 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 no but kind of thing. Somebody comes in a lot of times we do get that we do get folks that have kind of say you know hey I want you know I'm just throwing numbers, five hundred thousand dollar line of credit, and my initial kind of gut reaction is wow that's 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 way out there folks. Let let let's talk let's let me look at a different way of doing that, and talk through with that client. Hey, what if we started with And as we prove out your projections, going back to our conversation about projections, as those start to prove out, by all means, we'll be happy to grow with you, to grow that line of credit with you. A lot of times it's, you've got to bootstrap it. Maybe you raise a little bit of capital through an angel investor or some type of uh, equity fund, and maybe you're able to get a small line of credit to go along with that. Banks are not going to be, typically, not going to be able to fund a startup business uh, and be the only source of capital. Let's put it that way. Um, You know, like you guys and like other businesses that are finding that equity capital, the investor money, wherever that may come from, that's going to help us too, is we know what those guys did to make a decision uh, to invest in, in your company. And that capital is a lot more expensive than ours. Right. They they want either ownership in your company, uh, or they want a much higher percent return than straight bank money. And again, getting to kind of grand uh scale of, of banking uh capital and its benefit is our money's pretty cheap, to be honest. Uh you know, even at the kind of the market rates, let's call it today, it's in the five percent somewhere, right? Five to six percent. Well, that's a whole lot less than most investors want. That helps us too to kind of know that you've got some capital, you know, that's expensive capital. So can we provide something that's lower cost of capital that will help your business grow and get to where we think it's going to get to, or you say it's going to get to That lower cost of capital is certainly going to help.
1: So for a small business like us to get that loan or line of credit, there's lots of documents we have to provide, lots of, you know, revenue projections, you know, things that, that are going to show that how we plan to make money. How does somebody like an artist with maybe no history of revenue prove that they deserve that loan or line of credit?
2: That gets into, again, more of the art of what we do. (laughs) As creative as I'm not, uh, it still is an art in in this respect when it comes to artists and and to bands. Any songwriter or artist that comes in off the street and just says, hey, I want to be an artist, I'm going to go start playing. There's nothing for me to do with that at that point, other than provide the intangible things like connections to publishers, introductions to other people in the business, and and get them kind of plugged in. But we, to lend money to an artist or to a band, they do have to have some things going on. Now, that's not going to be your traditional banking questions that somebody on an application in a bank branch is going to ask, because those questions don't exist on those applications. But it's the things that we can ask, like, tell me about what your bookings look like for this year for 2019. Tell me what those look like. What are your guarantees? Again, hopefully speaking the language that artists can understand. And they're booked for 23 dates between, you know, the next four months, three months. And here's the, the guarantees. They've got a list of it. Here's what we're going to make. Here's kind of what it costs us to go on the road. And then we can, we can see, is there enough there? And again, going back to the the, the quanti- qualitative and intangible parts of it. Do we like, what this artist is doing. Do we believe in what they're doing? Do they have the right team or starting to build the right team around them? Who's involved, who's investing their time and money in this artist. And then that helps us decide whether we should as well. Uh, But we do need some, you know, kind of hard evidence of things going on in the career. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be signed. Uh, I would say the bulk of our artist clients are not necessarily label signed, uh, but they're out on the road road warriors. They're they are out there, you know, playing gigs and making money and they just need a little help to help fund the hotel rooms or the gas for the van. Or maybe they need to buy the van if they're doing well enough to maybe afford to stop renting that 15 passenger mm-hmm. van or the Sprinter van and buy it. It makes more sense to buy it. We do that a lot. Uh, but again, those are artists that are now starting to make some money, right? They have They have a they have a small business going on that has some – stability is the wrong word in the, in the in music world, but, <laughs> but they have some some footing to be building off of. But it's, it's tough. If there's if there's really just – if there's just a dream there, great, and we'll try to support that and help them as best we can. Uh, but but as far as financing goes, there's got to be some more – some harder business stuff there. I do – one thing that's funny is kind of an old-time record guy here in town. I, I won't use his name, but he's kind of – he's a trip. Everybody knows him. He always laughs. We're all, all the bankers are friends with him. And he goes, man, you music bankers. He goes, you don't ask for financials first. You ask for, send me your music first. I want to, I want to know what you're doing first. That's awesome. And that's true. That's exactly what we do. I I need to believe in it myself, right? Before I can go to bat for an artist to, to provide financing, that is that is not your typical you know bank financing.
0: That's awesome. You know, I was uh, just listening to a podcast with um, I think his name's Matt from Parmalee, one of the yeah. brothers,
2: Matt Thomas. Yeah,
0: Matt Thomas. And we work with like, those guys. I don't, think, well, I don't think he
2: minds me saying that. <laughs> well, I
0: saw I saw um, you know a, a really cool you know like a record uh, mount on uh, Carrie's wall. Yeah, um, your counterpart and I. The story was amazing. And I couldn't believe how hard, you know, it was for them, you know, like every band to really, you know, to be road warriors and they dealt with a lot and everyone they should did. go listen to that, uh, to that podcast. I think it's on Bobby Cast. but it was just amazing to see. And I just would love to hear like maybe about a client's win for you and someone that you've assisted in the industry.
2: I'll kind of give two, if I can, only because you brought Matt up, they were a band, been together a long time, just out there, just grinding it out on the road. Uh, and so one thing that comes up that's an important part, I think, for, for people, for young business owners uh, and or artists. And that's, you know, some there's some elements of, of banking that they kind of are what they are. And we we're stuck with using some of those things. And that comes down to the, the, the nasty credit score. You know, artists, a lot of times at various points of their career, but certainly in the early stages or ones that have been grinding it out for years, you know, they kind of paid the bills when they could and did the best they could and just kind of got by while they're building it, right? Credit score might be lousy. It might be really bad. Well... A traditional bank, just anybody off the street into a random bank branch anywhere in America, they're going to pull that up and they're going to go, yeah, sorry. Uh, the answer is no, we, we can't help you. We can't help you buy that car. We can't help you, you know, buy that home because that's what they get and they can't get any further than that. My argument to the bank has been, and I, I, I've used this more times than I can count. Matt's a good example. His band's a good example. When they started to quote unquote make it, when they started to have some real success and grow, uh, and the the money was was more relevant and more significant, and more substantial, and they now want to start doing normal people stuff like buy cars and buy houses, um, but still have that lousy credit score. Two things: one, we can help them repair that. We can help them. We can help them do things to make that better. But also my argument to the bank is I know when Matt's at that point or an artist is at that point, I no longer care what their credit scores. It doesn't matter to me. Why doesn't it matter? Because now they have a business manager. Now they have a professional partner. All money is coming into that professional partner, um, that certified accountant, usually or business manager, and they're paying all the bills. Everything is being handled now in a professional manner by a third party that, uh, that's the mitigation of the risk of someone with a lousy credit score is it's taken out of their hands now. And it's in somebody who's, who's a professional partner. That That is the difference. Um, so yeah, I think we've had a bunch of those where, where either young business owners or artists don't either have lousy credit for good reasons, or they have no credit. That's actually just as bad or not or worse than having bad credit is having no credit. So we can hopefully help establish that as well. And it might just be simple, small things to start, but it's getting a credit score established. That's one of those things we're just kind of stuck with using um, in the consumer space of banking, which is credit scores. But uh, if I could, on the the other big success, the one that I'm just really proud of is on a much larger scale. um, I work a lot with large independent publishers. Hopefully everyone knows what that means, who's listening, but that's non-major, right? That's not part of a corporate conglomerate. It's not Sony Universal Warner. It is an independent music publisher. Uh that years ago now was looking, they're a significant company anyway, uh, but they were looking to buy a significant catalog. And it's it's out there now. I mean, it was it's, it's it was in the press. It's I can say all this. Um they bought the Pete Townsend The Who catalog uh years ago. And um, it was a significant number, as anybody listening might might imagine. Um I won't go into the numbers, but it 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 was it was a lot. Um and obviously, Warranted, we all know the, the, the Who Music, and it's been around for meh, 50 years now. fifty five zero. 5 uh, And so, but, but they had, when this was going on, there weren't as many, believe it or not, just seven or eight years ago, there weren't as many banks in the space for music publishing, financing catalogs. And so they had a hard time finding the banks to help them fund what they needed to make that purchase. And it got down to the point it took a long time. They had... Some guys they thought were going to come through on the bank side that weren't able to, and it all, they almost lost the deal. Um, you know, Pete's people kind of said, "Look, you know, we got to move on if you guys can't pull this off." Rightfully so. And but, but I had I had really that was the passion part of it, right? I think I just dug in. I'd gotten really close to the company, to the publisher, to the guys that run the company and I remember I tell the story it's, it's it's the it's the funny sort of you know adage people use but I was literally in the shower one morning and just decided you know what this is not going to happen we are not going to let this fall apart there's just no way they, they we cannot let this deal go away and so we really kind of dug in we we made some phone calls to some alternate alternative capital sources and we kind of piece together a creative model that wasn't what we normally would do. Um, It wasn't what we thought we were going to end up at. Um, It wasn't what the client was looking for originally, but we said, look, we we can get two thirds of the way there. It'll at least let you get the deal done. And because it was a, it was a structured payment over three years. A couple other bank partners, we all kind of dug in and and it was a, it was truly about uh, the belief in the company and the, and the, and the, managers of it, uh, and just the passion for what it was. It was just, it was an important transaction. Um, and we had to get it done. And, and we found a way to do that. There was nothing traditional about anything we did on getting that deal done, um, other than just the fact that, I wanted to make it work. And it's still on my closest relationships now, seven or eight years later. And, uh, they've done, we got the deal done. They bought the catalog. It's been a great deal for them. The Who and Pete have been a great partner to this publisher. And, uh, it, it's, it's really, it's fun to think back on that one, especially being kind of the high profile thing that it was. It was fun to be part of that.
1: That sounds awesome. awesome. I'm, I'm really excited that that worked for you. And it's, it's great that you, you know, weren't going to let it, Fail you weren't going to let them not be able to make that purchase and have that access yeah
2: I mean the, the nos had already been given like the, the the people with authority in the various bank parties had had said no, um, and I just wasn't going to accept that it just it was too important, and we had more to talk about and more to figure out and, and, we, and we did so
0: you know, it's, it's, it's you, it's your drive, it's your personality. Um, and I think it's why people say that Nashville is a really special community of people that really care. And I know you would be, you know, any city would be lucky to have you, but I think it's extra special that you get to be a part of the, that you are a, a big part of the Nashville music industry.
2: Nashville is very unique in a lot of ways, but I think, so we're talking about kind of the financial aspect and the business aspect of things and, and, and the banking role in that. I think it's very unique. Um, I think even the the larger independent publishers that are not in Nashville, they're based out of New York or LA, they discovered not kind of back to this transaction we talked about and, and shortly thereafter, that the banks that understood their business, spoke their language, cared about it, understood the value of copyrights and of songwriters are right here in Nashville. A lot of those guys had gone to the, the you know, the, the who's who banks of New York and LA, and those guys didn't get it. They just didn't. And so it's kind of settled here in Nashville that, you know, our financial infrastructure, our banks associated with music industry, we like to really think that we're part of that community, part of that process, a spoke in the wheel that makes it all work. That's a really important thing to me to, to, to kind of make sure my team understands that that's, that's our mentality is we want to be part of the company's team, part of the client's team, part of the artist's team and and just like the the attorney is, the publisher is, the label is uh, whoever else might be involved right that's we want to be one of those folks
0: love it. So lucky to have you. And thank you for for being on Freshman Founders. Thanks, Brad. I, this is going to be so helpful for our listeners.
2: No, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'd love to do it. I, I, I guess it's neat what you guys are doing. And uh, uh, please let me know if I can help any more.
1: Just a reminder, uh, the very last episode of this season, we're going to do um, some questions and answers, just answering questions about any of the episodes or just about anything that people want to know more about in business, starting, growing, anything. So go ahead and send us those questions. And that email is founders at freshmanfounders.com.